Okay, I'm ready to preach now. Are you guys ready to hear now? Everybody ready? Okay. Um, the only thing I've noticed about Philip, he doesn't seem like he's enjoying it enough. Have you noticed that? <laughs> Philip, you need to give us a little more, a little more energy. Philip, a little more energy. No, I love you, man. I love you. I'd put you on staff. I'd put you on staff if I could afford you. Um, okay, on an average Sunday, there were 20 people in attendance. There, they had $10 in the bank account. They met in a shabby two-story building in the worst part of town. The pianists knew one chorus, and they sang it every Sunday, sometimes multiple times. And the young pastor of this church writes, The embarrassing truth is that sometimes I didn't want to show up for the worship service. That's how bad it was. Uh, he recounts that one Sunday he was so depressed, he got five minutes into his sermon, and he choked up, and, and tears began to well up in his eyes, and he said, he, was, he said that gloom engulfed him, and he, said, he told his congregation, I have to quit, there's nothing left for me to do here but quit. And he stopped preaching, and he asked his people to come up, all 20 of them, and pray for him. He writes, I knew we couldn't organize or market or program or finesse our way out of this. New ideas about church growth were irrelevant. We needed God to come down. And of course, that's what we've been saying for a number of weeks uh, in this place. The Lord led this pastor to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, where God is speaking to, to Solomon. You'll, Solomon, you'll recognize the, the passage, God says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin. My eyes shall be open and my ears attentive to their prayer. This young pastor decided that, that the most important thing in that church was prayer. And he decided that the gauge of success for him in that place would not be Sunday morning, but it would be Tuesday night at the prayer meeting. That would be the barometer of how the, the health of the church was progressing. Now that was in the early 70s, okay? Today that young pastor who was so depressed and who wanted to quit is still the pastor of that same church. His name is Jim Simbola. Many of you uh, may have heard of him. He wrote a book some years ago entitled Fresh Wind and Fresh Fire. Today, the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, who we have one former member of our church who actually attends there now, but the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church in New York meets in a facility with a capacity of 3,300 and they fill it up three times on Sunday uh, from 20 people and 10 bucks. <laughs> this is what God does. When his people pray. This is what God does. When his people pray. Well, I'm sure Jim Cimbala and I would not agree on everything. We do agree on one thing. God's people are called to cry out to him. God's people are called to be devoted to prayer. I love what Cimbala says in his book. He says, God is attracted to weakness. He can't resist those who humbly and honestly uh, admit how desperately they need Him. I love that. To me, that's the definition of prayer. That is the shorthand definition of prayer. It's very simply confessing our great need for our Heavenly Father. As I shared with you several weeks ago, this is probably the best thing ICM has going for it. And what I mean by that is, I, as I've shared a couple of 
in the last couple of weeks. We are so pathetic in the, in, in the eyes of the world that there's room enough here for God to magnify Himself in a mighty way. Uh, you know, this, this whole operation is so on paper impossible. There's room for God to come down and show Himself mighty in this place. And I don't bemoan the fact that it's always going to be uphill. I don't bemoan that at all. In fact, I get excited because Zimbala is right. God can't resist those who humbly and honestly cry out to Him. He can't resist. No one can hold God back when He hears the prayers of His children. Sometimes it looks impossible. ICM and the prospect of planting Italian churches, it looks impossible. In fact, one of the most oft-repeated phrases in staff meeting is, I don't really know how we're going to do that. And we say, we're just going to have to give that to God. We have no idea how that could ever be possible. And so that's, that's a God thing. That's a God thing. Last week we talked about the fact, we saw little David Wilkerson and, and how he went to the big slide and, and how he froze and how he couldn't do it. And remember how he cried out to his dad. He said, Daddy, this is too big for me. I can't do it without you. Do you remember that? That's prayer. That's prayer. Daddy, this is too big for me. And I can't do it without you. I need your help, Daddy. There's only one reason. If you call yourself a Christian tonight and you do not pray, there's only one reason that that would be true of you. Inexplicably, you believe you do not need God. Inexplicably, somehow, you've been deceived into thinking that you do not need God. And you can only think that if you're not truly walking with Him, as we talked about last week, if you are truly walking with Jesus Christ, you will simply need to pray to do what He puts in front of you every day. You will need to cry out to Him. You'll need to be like David Wilkerson and say, Daddy, this is too big for me. I need your help. Which is what prayer is all about. You cannot be a real Christian. Now, you can be a church member, okay? But that's a whole different thing. You cannot be a real Christian and not pray. You cannot. It is impossible. God has arranged it thusly. It is impossible. And I love what Bruce Wilkerson said. And I, I gave the wrong name. I said David Wilkerson wrote the prayer of Jabez, but that, well, that's Bruce Wilkerson. He wrote it. I said that last week, and I apologize. But Bruce Wilkerson, in the prayer of Jabez, he writes, It is a frightening and utterly exhilarating thing that God always calls us to the impossible. And I love that. I think that's very true. It is frightening on the one hand, but it is exhilarating on the other. That God always calls His children to the big slide to do what, what is impossible, to go and do the thing that we must cry out, Daddy, it's too big for me. It's too big for me. I can't do it by myself. It will require prayer. It will require courageous prayer. I told you that I was going to preach on prayer. And this is a daunting and intimidating thing. Um, uh, it could be a 20 sermon series or more. Uh, prayer is mentioned four to five hundred times in the Bible. And my purpose tonight is not to, look, to take an exhaustive look at prayer. That is not my purpose. My purpose is very, very simple. My purpose is to call you to pray to call you to pray for yourself, to pray for your family. But my preeminent point tonight is that you pray for this church. That you pray for this church. Courageously. 
and passionately, earnestly pray for this church. I'm calling you to pray humbly, boldly, persistently, submissively, and courageously. You heard the text read. Um, Let me just read it real quickly for you again. Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it shall be opened. Or what man is there among you when his son shall ask him for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he shall ask for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask? I love what John Eldridge says about this verse. John Eldridge says, These are outrageous and provocative words. These are outrageous and provocative words. Ask, seek, knock. These words invite and arouse desire. He says, these words are no good to you if you don't passionately, passionately desire anything. If you don't have enough energy to come and bang on the door. If you don't have enough passion to seek after the Lord. If you don't care enough to ask. He says, these words are no good to you. But your God says, your Lord says, your Savior says, I want you to ask. And I want you to seek. And I want you to knock. This is what the beautiful God says to us. So let me ask you, are you hungry? Are you really hungry for God to come down in this place? Are you really hungry for God to come down at the International Church of Milan and in Milano? Do you really desire that? Are you really looking for that? Do you expect that? That's what I'm going to ask you tonight. If so, you will be praying. I love how John, what John Piper says about prayer. He says, prayer is offering up our desires to God. And if you don't passionately desire anything greater for this church than just to exist, then you're not going to pray at all. But if you long to see God come down, if you long to see Christ magnified here, if you long to see thousands of people saved in the international church and in the Italian church, you will be asking you will be seeking and you will be knocking this is a breathtaking invitation this is god god says come to me and ask me this is what god says this is this is an unconditional challenge to his people come and ask come and i will fill your soul and i will hear your prayers and i will answer them And so what is the ground of this soul-satisfying promise? It is God. You know, God says here in the text, He says, I'm way better than your earthly fathers. You know, you may have had a great earthly father. You may, he just may be perfect in your mind. Some of us may not have had good fathers at all. It doesn't matter. God says, I'm way better than them. In fact, Jesus says, God is so much better that your earthly father is evil in comparison. So this is what the Lord Jesus is saying. This is how good your heavenly Father is. God is the ground here of this awesome and breathtaking invitation. And when you consider the attributes of God, when you consider who He is, (laughs) 
it gets even more stunning. Because God is infinitely sovereign and He is almighty. And as I said earlier, no one or no thing can restrain God from answering the prayer of His children. I love that. I love that. No one can get in the way. Our God is sovereign. And He is omnipotent. Our God is infinitely righteous. He answers perfectly every time. He can do no other than to answer perfectly. This is who God is. He answers pristinely right all the time. God is infinitely good. When He answers, it is always in our best interest. Whether it's yes or whether it's no, it is in our best interest. Always. God is infinitely wise. The answer will always be flawless in its wisdom, in its timing, and in its effect in our lives. And God is infinitely loving. And I'm glad we sang about the cross. All you have to do is look at the cross. And God answers every prayer of His children with the same love that you see exhibited and manifested on that cross. God, we've said this many, many times, God is an omnipotent giver. He loves to give to His children. God loves to do this. He is no reluctant benefactor. He is an irrepressible giver. And you can't stop God from giving to His children. I love what John Piper says about this. Let me read this quote. I love this quote. Our Father's heart is full of deep and unshakable happiness. And we may be sure that when we come to Him, we will not find a frustrated, gloomy, irritable Father who is out of sorts and wants to be left alone. Don't you love that? You're never going to find that when you go to our Heavenly Father. That's never going to happen. He goes on. But instead, we find a Father whose heart is so full of joy, it spills out over onto all of those who come to Him. I love that. I love that beautiful picture of God. Look at this text with me, Matthew 7. This is, this is not just a, a command. It's, 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 it is an invitation and it is a command, but I like what one commentator says. God is insisting that you come and ask Him. God is insisting that you come and ask Him, that you come to Him in prayer, and God is insisting that He will answer. So, someone, I want you to tell me, what is the promise of God if we will ask? Someone tell me. What is the promise of God if we seek? And what is the promise of God if we bang on that door? This is God speaking. The asker will receive, the seeker will find, and the knocker gets an open door. Our Father insists that we come to Him in prayer. God means business here. I love, what, I love what God says. Not only is this His will, this is His delight. Proverbs uh, 15.8, God says, The prayer of the upright is my delight. Don't you love that? What an encouragement to pray. The prayer of the upright is my delight. I love uh, Isaiah 65.24, God is eager. One, one commentator says, God is p impatient that we cry out to Him. Listen to Isaiah 65.24, It will come to pass that before they call, I will what? I will answer, the Lord God says. I love that. And while they are speaking, I will hear. He told the Old Testament Jews uh, to give Him no rest in this. Did you know this? I love this, I love this verse. God says, give me no rest. Listen to what He says, Isaiah 62, 6 and 7. He says, 
You who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves and give Him no rest until He establishes Jerusalem. God is saying, give me no rest till I bless you. This is what God is saying. This is what God is saying. What a beautiful, beautiful text. God insists that we give Him no rest till He establishes the International Church of Milan here in this place. And that He begins to plant Italian churches here in this place. He, he challenges His people, give me no rest till I'll establish you in this place. I love that. I love that. This unconditional challenge of God. Are you familiar with uh, Ezekiel 36? I just, man, this week when I was studying this, I was just like, I was, I was just having way too much fun. In Ezekiel 36, the Lord tells Israel all that He's going to do for them. Okay? All that He's going to do in their behalf. And He says, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to convict you of your sin. I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to remove your heart of stone. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. He says, I'm going to put My Holy Spirit in you and cause you to walk in My, in my statutes. Then He says, I will multiply the fruit of your labor. And then I love this. He says, and all the surrounding nations will know that I have done this. That I have built on the ruined places and I have planted in the desolate places. I love that when I heard that. When I read that, I love that. Is that not our prayer? Is that not our prayer at the International Church of Milan? Oh God, convict us of our sin. Oh God, cleanse us of our sin. Oh God, fill us with Your Spirit and cause us to walk in Your ways. Oh God, multiply the fruit of our labor. Oh God, let all those who see know that it is You who is among us doing this. That we stand only because You're our God. We trust in nothing else but the fact that You're our God. And let it be known, let it be known that God is the one who has built this place up and planted it in a desolate place. He's planted this church in a spiritually desolate place. God has done it. No man has done it. God has done it. And then you, you read a little further in Ezekiel and you get to Ezekiel 36, 36 and 37 and God says, I, the Lord, have spoken all of this and I will do it. You know what He says next? I love this part. You know what He says next? I will let the house of Israel ask Me to do it. Isaiah, Isaiah 60, uh, pardon me, uh, Ezekiel 36, 36 and 37. You can go look it up for yourself. God says, I mean to bless my people. I will do it. I am God. I sovereignly have purpose to bless my people, but I will let them ask me for it. Let me ask you, church, uh, church member, are you asking God? Are you asking God to bless this, this church and this work? In this ministry? Are you asking Him to establish and build us up in this place? I had a brother ask me this week, if God is sovereign in all things, as the Bible teaches, God is sovereign in all things, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, God works all things according to the counsel of His will. It's not some or most. It's all things. God works all things according to the counsel of His will. The question is, why should we pray then? Because prayer is the means by which God 
purposes to work in His people and in His church. Prayer is the means to the end that God has purposed for us. God means to bless us in this place, but He says, I would have you ask Me that I may be honored not only in the body, but outside the body. That the world will see, how did the International Church of Milan and the, and the Italian churches that came out of it, how did that ever happen? Well, it certainly wasn't because Jim Albright and Giuseppe Palermo and Keith Jones and, and, and Adam Davies had it figured out. That's certainly not how it happened. Certainly not how it happened. God has come down. God says, I will let my people ask me to bless them because I will be seen as great, a great God, a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God. Friends, this is not a, a small thing to the Lord. This is not a peripheral matter to God. This is not incidental to the Christian life. God has created all things that He might be seen as glorious. And in prayer, God is glorified. He is seen as the omnipotent, uh, sovereign, majestic governor of the universe. That which He is, He is seen as that when we cry out to Him. And when He answers, He is seen as the great God. And we bumped into yet another oxymoron. It seems like I bump into one at least once a month. Um, and we bumped into another one. A non-praying Christian is an oxymoron. A non-praying Christian is an oxymoron. In fact, a non-praying Christian is no Christian at all. Okay? One theologian said it like this. The self-sufficient do not pray. The self-satisfied will not pray. The self-righteous cannot pray. Um, genuine, authentic, biblical Christians, they pray. Not because they're religious, but because they need to. Because, like I said, if you're actually walking with Christ, if you're actually uh, seeking to follow Him and obey Him and trust Him with, a, with abandoned, as, as I said last week, if you're actually doing that, you will need to pray. Because you can't just roll out of bed and do it yourself. You will need to pray. Six times in the New Testament, we are commanded to devote ourselves to prayer. Six times in the New Testament. I love Colossians 4.2. Devote yourselves to prayer, uh, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. I love that. Devote yourself to prayer. Stay alert with an attitude of thanksgiving. I love 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Uh, God says, pray without ceasing. Now, that doesn't mean that we pray every second of the day that we're mentally, uh, verbally, or consciously uh, lifting up a prayer, but it means that we have this dependence on God. We consciously are leaning on God. Every moment of the day, we're bringing it to God. It's like Piper says, the default mental state that we walk around is, in is, Oh Lord, help me. Oh Lord, be at work in my situation. Oh Lord, help me in this circumstance. That's our default mental state. Jesus instructs us, to persevere in prayer as well. Luke 18, 1, you remember what Jesus says? He says, pray at all times and do not, what? Lose heart. Do not lose heart. We are to pray and not lose heart. In the north, and I know you guys probably get tired of me talking about this guy, but if you've come through this church and you're about to leave out of here very soon and you haven't read both of these books, then I'm not going to be happy. Okay? So please come get these books and read these books. 
but we uh, about George Mueller. But we uh, in the north we just took a couple of weeks and decided we we're just going to look at George Mueller's teaching on money and possessions. Okay, and uh, you know the story. Mueller uh, never asked anybody for a penny, but but through this man of faith and prayer, God. Uh, housed and clothed and fed and educated and evangelized 10,000 orphans. Okay, this was just done on his knees. Okay? As he cried out to God, and God answered every day for 63 years and beyond. Mueller was in the ministry for 63 years. In various biographies uh, of Mueller, you'll see two repeated phrases quite frequently. You'll see a phrase, believing prayer. Believing prayer. Prayer. Believing prayer. You see it over and over and over again. Another phrase you see is that after much prayer and waiting on the Lord, He answered. Jesus says, do not lose heart. Friends, you know, Mueller, he'd started his first, his first orphan house. He'd built one and he felt led to build the, the, the second one and the third one. And uh, he felt led to do that. And he began to cry out to God. You know how long it took before he had the, the second and the third house built uh, and furnished? Eleven years. He did not lose heart. And friends, if it takes eleven years for God to establish, in, establish us in this place, I'm okay with that. I'm really okay with that. If it takes twenty years, I, uh, I may be gone. <laughs> but I'm okay with that because He is plan will be perfect. But what I'm not okay with, I'm not okay with you not crying out to God to establish this church and for Him to be magnified in this place. I'll never be okay with that. I'll never be okay with that. And I'm challenging you tonight to pray for this church. To pray for this work. And I'm not talking about polite little prayers that take two minutes. I'm talking about praying courageous prayers for this church. And your pastor. And the other leaders in this church pray courageous prayers that God will come down and that God will be magnified in this place. I don't care how long it takes. It'll be perfect. Whatever God does will be perfect. It'll be perfect. I love what John Blanchard says about persevering in prayer. I love this quote. He says, Prayer is not wrestling with God's reluctance to bless us. Uh, it's laying hold of His willingness to do so. Persevering in prayer is not wrestling with God's reluctance to bless us. It is laying hold of His willingness to do so. And there's a lot of theology in prayer. You know, it's just like the, the, the question that I had this last week. What do we pray for if God has is, is preordained all things? If God is sovereign in all, all things? If God has decreed all things? Well, you don't think God decreed that that second and that third uh, Mueller orphan house would be built? Do you think God didn't decree that? Of course He decreed it. Of course, He purposed for that to happen. But what was, what was going to be the means to that end? The prayers of His people. The prayers of His people. The prayers of His people. He says, I will have My people ask Me for that. That I might be seen as mighty. That I might be seen as glorious. That men's faith would be established and built up. Jesus says, we are not to lose heart and I'm asking you to pray for this church and not lose heart. And when you leave, some of you are going to be leaving soon. Some of you will leave in six months, a year, two years. When you leave, I'm going to ask you to still be praying for this church and this work and what God wants to do here. Let me say just a word about uh, 
the low view of prayer in the, in the modern church. The, the prevailing idea is that we come to God and we ask Him for what we want and we expect Him to give it to us. That is the prevailing view. And if you think about it for more than five seconds, you will realize that what we are doing is we are, we are trying to put God in the bottle and we're trying to rub it and we want the genie to come out and do our bidding. We've just turned God into our servant. This is not the biblical model of prayer. The biblical model of prayer is coming to God, it's giving Him our need, it's committing our way to Him, and it's trusting Him to do as He sees fit with it. You know why I'm sold out on this model of prayer? Because it worked for the second member of the Trinity. And, 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 and that's really enough said. But if you go to the Garden of Gethsemane, how many times did Jesus say, Lord God, let this cup pass from me? How many times did Jesus pray it? Three times. But what did Jesus finally say? Jesus finally says, Yet not as I will, but as you will, O God. And here's the loftiest place in prayer. Not us dictating and writing a letter to Santa Claus, but humbly coming before the Lord and, and putting our need before the Lord and humbly submitting to His great and mighty and perfect will. This is the true spirit of, of prayer. You know, the Apostle Paul was no different. You, you know the story over in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He entreated the Lord how many times? Three, that the thorn in the flesh would be removed. And what did God say? What was God's perfect, loving, compassionate, all-wise answer? God said, no. You know, Paul was no name it and claim it kind of guy. God said no. But what I want you to hear is the, the dialogue that went on between the Lord and Paul. You know, and let me ask you, did Paul lose his faith? Did he get a pout going? Did, did, he, did he say, well, I'm not going to pray anymore? Is that what Paul did? Listen to what Paul says. God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. And then Paul says this, most gladly, therefore, great God. I mean, this, you can just, you know, he doesn't say it exactly like that, but he says, most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weakness that the power of Christ may dwell in me. And then he goes on, therefore, I am well contented with that no, because it magnifies my God. Friends, this is real prayer. This is biblical prayer. This is the way Christians pray. We humbly come before the Lord. We lay our need out before Him. We listen. We listen in the Spirit. We're in the Word of God. We're trying to hear Him speak to us. And if we hear no, we praise Him for it. We praise Him for it. Because He knows best. He knows best. It's the meaning of what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, to pray in the Spirit. To pray in the Spirit is to, is to come boldly and yet submissively to God. It's what Jesus is talking about when He says, if you ask anything in My name, John 14, I will do it. Friends, you know, attaching in Jesus' name at the end, of, it's not just a suffix, a religious suffix we put at the end of the sentence when, we, when, we're, when we're praying. You know what that means? It means, Lord Jesus, I'm praying Your will. Lord Jesus, I'm praying Your will. Let Your will prevail. Let Your will be done. 1 John 5, you know the text, 14 and 15. 
This is our confidence which we have before Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know that He hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have the requests which we have asked from Him. Friends, this is genuine biblical Christian prayer. It's coming humbly and boldly before God. It's listening to the Spirit it's hearing what the Spirit of God says to us. And it's submissively um, submitting to the divine will of God. I told the morning service that I want us to learn to pray like Martin Luther. You know, Martin Luther was the, the father of, of the Protestant Reformation. And it was said of him that when he began to pray, he prayed with such brokenness and humility and repentance that you pitied him. But as he prayed on, he prayed with such boldness that you feared for him. <laughs> I love that. Broken boldness. Broken boldness. That's what I'm calling you to. Broken boldness. As you pray to your Father. So as your pastor, I exhort you to broken boldness in prayer. And I want to ask you tonight, what sin is it in your life that you're hanging on to that you will not let go of that's hindering your prayers? I'm going to ask you tonight to, to repent of that sin. I'm going to ask you tonight to lay it down because the first thing we've got to do if we're really going to be prayer warriors, the first thing we've got to do is get the sin, is put the sin down. And we've got, to, we've got to repent. We've got to receive the grace of God. And then we cry out with great boldness. We, we are like Martin Luther. We, we, come and, and we come with great contrition before the Lord. And we confess our sin. And we, we, we ask Him and, and know that He will cleanse us in accordance with His promises. And then we cry out with great boldness, Lord God, come and establish us in this place. Plant us in this desolate place that You may be glorified. If, you, if you've not ever truly come to Christ, I invite you to do that tonight. I invite you to, and I want to ask you, ask the morning crowd, what are you waiting for? What exactly are you waiting for? You think a better offer is going to come along than the Son of God uh, dying for your sins, giving you complete forgiveness, and giving you all things, Luke chapter 12, Romans chapter 8. The Father has, has chosen gladly to give you everything. You think a better deal is going to come along? Exactly what, you're, what are you waiting for? If you've, not fully, if you've just been playing religion, if you've just been lukewarm with Him, I am challenging you tonight not to be like that anymore, to go home, get on your face, confess, and pray courageous prayers for yourself and for this church. Pray that God will come and fall on us in great power Pray that He will establish us in this desolate place. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will give us a monster harvest. And I've got to ask you, do you really, really, when it comes down to it, do you really want it? I think the problem in most churches is most pew sitters don't really want it. They don't really want to see it. They don't really care. And I'm going to ask you what I asked the staff this last week. I'm going to ask you, if you care enough to really cry out to God um, about this church and what He wants to do in this place, I'm going to ask you 
to, to do a fast. And I, 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 think, I, think, I don't want you to tell anybody about it because I, I, think, uh, that's, I think the Word of God tells us that, that a fast is a, is a personal, personal matter between you and God. But I want you, it doesn't have to be food, but I want you to find something that you normally do in your week that you can put down and you can cry out to God about this church. It can be food, it can be television, it can be uh, 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 reading the paper, it can be something, it can be uh, surfing the net, it can be shopping, something that you normally do that you can say, I give this up, I give this up to cry out to God for my church and for Milano. And it's between you and the Lord. I'm not going to ask you about it. It's between you and the Lord, but that's my challenge to you. I want you to come to Him with all your heart and I want you to ask Him to blow us all away in this room. If this room is not, is not large enough to hold what he's going to do soon. And I'm going to close with Second, uh, Second Chronicles uh, 16.9. Actually, I'm not going to close with that, am I, Adam? I might have another one. But Second Chronicles 16.9, uh, 16, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that He may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. And I'm really going to close with one of my favorite verses in the Bible to be familiar to many of you. Listen to this great promise from God. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And God says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, forgive us for... Uh, Forgive us for not crying out to You, Father, about this church. If we are guilty of that, forgive us. And, oh God, I pray that You would give us a spirit of prayer. I pray that You would give us a burden for the internationals in this city. I pray You would give us a burden for the Italians in this city. Father, I pray that we would have a burden about it. I pray that we would be willing to, to set maybe some small thing aside and simply cry out to You. And crying out to You, Oh God, come and establish us in this place, in this desolate place. Oh God, come and establish us in this place. Your church here in this place that all may see that You are prayer hearing and a prayer answering God. That You may get all of the glory. That thousands will come to know Jesus Christ in this place, internationals and Italians. No more mediocre expectations, Father. We cry out in great boldness to You that You would do all Your good pleasure here, that You would bring in all of Your people. Father, that there would be a great harvest here. A tremendous harvest here. A harvest that can't be explained by any other thing that other than that God has come down. God has come down. And people are convicted of their sin. And they desperately need a Savior. And not just any Savior. No average run-of-the-mill Savior will do. No average run-of-the-mill religion will do. We need Jesus Christ. We need the Son of God. 
We pray, oh God, you would come down. Come down, great God. In Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to partake of the Lord's table. And uh, Adam will be playing. You know how we do it. Just in case you're new, let me explain. Um, <clears throat> Adam will be playing and... and uh, Song will be four or five minutes. I want you to prepare your hearts. If you're not ready to, take, to partake of the table, don't come to the table. Don't come if you're not ready. Don't come in an unworthy manner. But if you've repented of your sin, you've received God's forgiveness, and you mean to walk out of here and live for His glory, then you partake. You come to the table boldly and rejoice in what Christ Jesus has done in our behalf. So you prepare your hearts. And when you're ready, you come up and you, you uh, take some of the bread and, and, and the juice and you go back to your seat. And after, after the song ends and everyone has, has taken uh, the elements, I, I will stand and read a, a scripture and then we will partake of the elements, okay? Is that clear? Okay, be careful of this cord. Please come around this way, okay?